0: Dateline Amherst, Massachusetts, broadcasting remotely today is Tuesday, February 16th. While we deal with a high risk COVID 19 threat here at UMass, all athletes have been. Our Owl Athletics have been postponed for at least two weeks. At this point, we're hoping for a minimum return to play around February 21st. Welcome in. This is the UMass Women's Basketball Show on WMUA presented... By Hot Table Panini Hot Table located on Route 9 and Hadley has been serving the Pioneer Valley since 2007 along with the Hadley location. Hot Table has seven other stores including two in Springfield and two in Connecticut. Hot Table is open from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday and looks forward to continuing their service of the Amherst community with specialty Panini's Hot Off the Press. More information is available at Panini. Com. My name is Ryan Beaton alongside Nathan Strauss, Andrew Sood, and Jacob Munch. So, fellas, we last left off the women's with the women's basketball team on February 5th with a postponed game against George Washington. At that point, the team was on a three-game slide, losing to the likes of LaSalle, St. Joseph's, and St. Louis. Four additional games have been completely canceled since then, and the women would hopefully be scheduled to play their final two games of the season on February 26th and 28th against VCU and Richmond, respectively. With that being said, let's open up the floor to my colleagues in UMass women's basketball aficionados. Guys, what are your past takes, current grievances, and future thoughts on potentially restarting the season so i would just like to apologize first and
1: foremost because ever since i i did some research and you know went deep into the numbers of like of what a10 teams end up making postseason tournaments um about three weeks ago i said that umass was basically guaranteed a tournament spot either you know ncaa's or the wnit if they went 500 the rest of the way and so far, they've gone 0-3 since I put that out there. And there are only two games left on the regular season schedule, um, unless there are games that end up getting uh, made up later on in time. So if I was the bad luck omen for this team, then I uh, I sincerely apologize. But it's definitely not going to be easy. I mean, the games that they have left are Richmond and VCU, two of the better teams in the A-10, especially VCU. Um and in the time that the US hasn't been playing, um, Dayton and St. Louis, who both had long COVID pauses, have been on fire and Dayton, uh, as well as Fordham, who are always there or thereabouts, uh have really solidified themselves as the the favorites for the conference. So it's kind of disappointing that uh that the pause happened when it did, but you know, it should be a really entertaining last week or so of the season if and when things get back underway.
2: So I'm just gonna, you know, air out my grievances with the UMass administration pausing athletics because, you know, it's no secret that the women's basketball team has done by far the best job of, you know, following the cor- the COVID regulations, not having the team being forced to pause because of positive tests. I don't even think there has been one positive test among the team this year. Um, so to just, you know, absolutely slap the living daylights out of the team when they were, it's kind of like, you know, they were beating them down. It, it's kind of like they're, they're hitting them when they're already down, you know, they're down. You're, you're, you're on a three game losing streak. You're still on a three game losing streak by all technicalities, but, you know, this team has done nothing wrong. They've sacrificed their social lives. They've, you know, sequestered themselves to their rooms for months on end except to maybe go get food from the dining hall or what have you. And then just to have them cancelled or paused just out of the blue because some idiots decided to party who have nothing to do with them and who in all likelihoods, will not give the virus to the women's basketball team, it's absolutely awful.
3: We have to give credit to the Minute Women team, though, because as you mentioned, Andrew, ever since they first arrived on campus this year, they have not had to pause their program once. They had a little span where there was potential contact tracing and they had to cancel a, a Richmond game, I believe. But besides that, they have been able to just go and go and go. And it's a huge testament to them and all the players that they've done such a great job with doing what they can control and making sure that they follow all the protocols to keep them on the floor as much as they can.
1: Yeah, I will say too, it's not. If athletics had actually created a perfect bubble, which I think is pretty much impossible to do, then I think the decision would have been uh, a lot more controversial. But because there isn't a bubble and like you know players are still able to go out and for example get food from dining halls or get food from restaurants in the amherst area you know it's not as locked down and secure as like the nba's orlando bubble in the postseason last year so as annoying as the decision was i i understand the reasoning uh behind it but hopefully in you know five days from now things will be able to get back underway not to mention the fact that like spring sports were supposed to start up um, official competitions this week and last so given the the time constraints and and with postseason play coming up it's it'll be important to get back into a rhythm
2: and, I for the life I for the life of me do not understand this decision there's absolutely no grounds to do it if you had a positive test if you had a number of positive tests fine but there was absolutely no reason to pause, this, pause the pause season right now the women's team you know, done nothing wrong the, and if you want to Extrapolate this to the rest of the UMass athletics program. None of the teams were doing anything wrong. The teams that had COVID issues had paused. When the men's basketball team had COVID issues, they paused. Once those were over and done with, they went back. Well, now, athletics,
1: but athletics, athletics can't be exempt from decisions that are made involving the entire student body because of for for amateurism and sort of NCAA reasoning, like the the fact that 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 they refer to to athletes as student athletes means that unfortunately, even though they might have dif- like different treatment in terms of like living together and obviously playing in competitions this fall and stuff, they still have to be treated the same way just for like legal and compliance reasons.
3: And Sam Breen acknowledged this in an article she had with the Daily Hampshire Gazette a few days ago where she said how, quote, it's tough because obviously we're part of the student population. Even though our team in particular hasn't had a positive case, it's tough tough to separate us and treat us differently, end quote. And I think the big thing here that's unfortunate for the Minute Women is the timing of when this pause occurred. You look at a team like the St. Louis Billikens, where they had a long, about a 40-day pause earlier in the season, but now have been able to play a lot of games in a row, are on a five-game winning streak, and are really starting to cruise heading into the stretch run of the season. UMass, on the other hand, we they now have this two-week break, are only scheduled to have two games if uh, they come back after the 14 days before tournament. And so I think the timing is really unfortunate for them, and they'll have to really quickly get into a rhythm to start making a run in the A-10 tournament and then moving forward after that. As we know,
0: if the season does resume, uh, like mentioned earlier before, uh, the Minute Women will play on February 26th and 28th against VCU in Richmond. The Minute Women already have a win over VCU earlier this season when they captured a 55-49 dub, uh, down in Richmond. They were supposed to play uh, another game that weekend. However, it was canceled, uh, or postponed rather due to, uh, COVID-related issues. On the other hand, uh, UMass has not seen Richmond in action yet this season, so that will be a fresh game, uh,
3: for them in a team they have not seen. Guys, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think these are huge games, not just for the Minute Women to get into their rhythm again, but when you look at the conference standings, UMass is 6-4 and four in conference. VCU and Richmond are each 7-4 and four in conference, so just one game or half a game ahead of UMass. And so although it's important for UMass to get accustomed to being back on the floor, there are important games for the standings and affect the seedings of the A-10 tournament. You want to try to get those higher seeds. And so these games are not gimmies by any stretch, and they're really going to have to work hard coming back from this long break especially.
1: And that that VCU game earlier in the season um, down in Virginia was so tightly contested, it was like a little feisty too. And then they were going to play again a few days later, but VCU ended up having some COVID issues. And so that that sort of second game of the back-to-back was postponed. But the Minute Woman held VCU to just two points in that third quarter, but then VCU Uh, put up 19 in the fourth and almost managed to pull off a comeback. But I think VCU is, 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 and Richmond are, are on the same, definitely on the same tier in terms of overall ability as the Minute Women. And that's going to make these two games so, so important. And fortunately, both of them are at home. So, um, it's not like the Minute Women are going to have to immediately get up and go on the road. Um, again, at least not until the conference tournament, but definitely an important two games.
0: All right, so it's been a while since we've sort of talked about the team as a whole um, and looked at some of these players. And I guess in terms of breakout players this year, uh, we think of names like Sidney Taylor, uh, Madison Lowry. Obviously, Sam Breen is always uh, continuing to carry the workload of the team. But uh, who do you guys have as maybe some breakout players this season?
2: I've been disappointed with the, the workload Madison Lowry's gotten. I feel like she's kind of earned more than she's gotten. You know, and I understand like, you know, you're gonna, you have the super breakout of Sydney Taylor. You have Sam Breen playing all the minutes, not all, but you know, and then, you know, it just gets kind of crowded, even though Coach Verdi has admitted a number of times this team is not as deep as he would like it to be. I think, you know, I'd like to see Madison Lowry get more minutes. That's just my take
3: here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of breakout players, the first name off the, off the stats that really jumps out at you is sydney taylor and i was sort of caught by surprise because in the opening press conference of the season um coach verdi was like yeah you know we really like what we've been seeing from Sid taylor we think she's going to make this jump and that's not something that i necessarily expected but she's averaging almost 16 points a game she's playing like 30 to 35 minutes a game she's shooting 33 percent from deep and uh is really just cemented herself as one of the the leading guards on this team and obviously i think i think she complements destiny philoxy really well because philoxy while she can score is definitely more of a pass first player but sid taylor will just like spot out from deep from from pretty much anywhere behind the arc also very active on defense 21 steals to go along with 23 steals for philoxy so that guard combo is something that the minute woman didn't have last year um at least at this level
3: and uh I've been really, really impressed. I've also been impressed with one of their starters, Maddie Sims, who, came, who transferred from Siena College. We didn't, we weren't sure what exactly we'd see after she had to sit out last year due to eligibility rules, but she's had six games where she scored double points, and I really think as the season's gone, gone along, she's gotten a lot more comfortable working down low and also being really ferocious to grab those offensive boards. In the last game versus LaSalle, she did a great job of keeping... Uh, possession for UMass with five offensive rebounds. And she she really kept UMass in that game for a lot of it with her play. And I think, I honestly think she can have a bigger role than what she's already had. If uh Destiny, Filoxi, or Bernaya Mayo get her that ball down low, I think she can do, like put up even more points than she's been averaging this year.
2: I just wanted to bring up something and this was just a question I've been having. So this year... Does not count against a student athlete's eligibility, correct? Right, correct. So say, I don't know, I'm just making stuff up here. Say, I, for example, am a sophomore by athletics. Next year, if I played again, would I still be considered a sophomore by athletics?
1: No, I think so. I think you would technically still be a junior, but you'll get, I think it gets added on at the end. So like, you would end up having to, graduate and then get into grad school and then you would be able to get that year of eligibility for free. But I don't, I don't think it changes like academic eligibility. Um, just like just athletic as far as
2: instead. Okay. So if I put it this way, so if I'm in year two of four and I played again next year, I'd still by all accounts be in year two of four. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I think so. Or it would just be year three of five, you know? Okay. So sort of the sort of same difference.
2: I know this had absolutely nothing to do with the conversation, but it's something that's been bugging me for no, a while. No, I
1: mean, the NCAA, it's It's full of red tape and sort of, like, paperwork everywhere, so. Yeah, and I'm not sure, just because I know for grad students, especially those, those of whom who have transferred before, I'm not sure how roster spots are going to pan out, and I'm not totally sure, like, if players who are in their, you know, their last year of eligibility are going to want to stick around to play, you know, a sixth year, just because eventually, you know, you become a 24 year old and you think, okay, well maybe, you know, is it worth, you know, sticking around and doing this or should I move on and sort of either explore professional options or, you know, enter the the job search, so to speak. But I'm sure that we'll get that clarification on that as soon as the season's over, but obviously it's a very personal decision and people have to, um, you know, uh, make those decisions for themselves, and definitely they deserve support.
0: And I feel like this is a perfect time to bring up uh, a new player that will be uh, joining the Minute Women, uh, the five eleven guard out of Wilmington, Delaware, Stephanie Coleza, um, who is essentially starting the season early, um, and it won't count against any years uh, of her eligibility. And I just wanted to kind of see what you guys have heard of her, uh, what what you guys have heard of her, and. Uh, what you expect from her coming forward yeah she's
1: already she's already in now i mean i uh she was eligible for uh or she was going to be eligible for these games that were that ended up being postponed but you know one of the highest recruits in the minute Women's history 91 or 97th overall in the entire class of 2021 she's got a 91 grade uh on espn and uh tied for the highest commit in the class of 2021 for all a10 schools so uh definitely a huge pickup for the minute Women. um again another delaware sort of atlantic product which is it's interesting i know there was an article that i think she and bernaya mayo used to play against each other which is pretty interesting and because there's this free year of eligibility basically um, the fact that she was able to graduate high school early meant that it makes perfect sense for coach Verdi to want to bring her in and sort of get her adjusted. We, we never really got to find out um, what her role would be, whether she would get minutes or whether this would all be about learning the system. But it's, it's certainly exciting to have a player of her quality um, in and around the program, even if she's not necessarily getting huge minutes at this point in time.
3: And it puts coach Verdi in a little bit of a tough spot with this two week pause, because without the pause, Kulesa would have had the opportunity to play six, seven games before the end of the regular season. Now she, if everything stays the way it is, she'll only get those two games right at the end of the year. And so for Coach Verdi, he wants to try to make sure his team is as ready and as smooth as they can be heading into the A-10 tournament while also trying to incorporate Kulesa into the lineup, into the rotation, getting her some minutes while making sure she also fits in the system. So it's a really tricky balance that he's trying to deal with here.
0: Which actually brings me to ask a question, and I feel like, Nathan, you might know the answer uh, to this best, but uh, how often does this sort of thing happen where a player uh, can register early uh, to play sort of while a season is already uh, taking place underway?
1: It's been happening
0: a lot more this year because of the
1: eligibility rulings and stuff, I know. Um, It happens a lot for football, too, um, especially for JUCO players who transfer in, who will enroll in the spring to sort of get familiarized with a team, um, even if there aren't any games. But, you know, if this semester isn't counting, uh, you know, for for eligibility purposes, there's no reason why, like, it it shouldn't, why you wouldn't, if you're a player in high school and and you can graduate early, why you wouldn't want to sort of just make that jump. I mean, especially if, if your high school is doing distance learning, I think you'd probably rather be on campus and, and with some
3: sort of team environment, for sure. And I think that also touches on the unique, uniqueness of Kulesa's situation, where she decided to enroll early to UMass, join the program, got to practice for a week or two, and now all of a sudden has to uh, quarant- like just stay in a room for about two weeks, can't play basketball, like, can't practice. Yes, they can have Zoom meetings and stuff like that. But there aren't many other players, honestly, across the country who are in this weird situation where before they ever take the floor during a game, they have to spend two weeks away from touching a basketball, essentially. It must be a very four odd four weeks, tradition. actually. Oh, good point, yeah. It's a very odd transition, I imagine, for her.
2: We had this conversation when they played St. Louis and, you know, St. Louis didn't look like they had shaken off, shaken up, whoa, let me try that again, shaken off all that much rust. There was not, not much rust to begin with. Didn't they split that series 1-1? And then I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about having been to enough Coach Verdi press conferences, I know he would say something along the lines of, that's in the past, you know, I don't know if you'd say these exact words, but it, it's almost as if it's kind of a new quasi season. You know, you've had enough time to either think it over and put it behind you. And now this is a new portion. This is a new segment of the season. It's been long enough. None of that's like fresh in your mind. So you just go back and do what it is you got to do.
1: Yeah. And I think on the plus side, they would have those five days of practice. It's not like earlier on in the season when teams would be coming off of COVID pauses, having two days of, You know, maybe one five on five practice um, before getting things underway, which is what was happening on the men's side. I mean, uh, for, for the Minutemen, I know we talked with coach McCall and he was talking about how before uh, the Rhode Island game and the LaSalle games, they had only managed to, they hadn't even had a a full five on five scrimmage because of the numbers they had available. They only had nine guys available. So I think the situation isn't as bad as it could be. And they would still have, I think the majority of the week to practice and game plan and all of that. But at this point, um, just given the fact that there's only two games left in the season, I think they'll view these two games as really just getting game and, and match ready for the eventual A-10 tournament. Because, you know, obviously they want to win each of these two games, but tournament play coming up, I think, is the most important for them.
3: That's certainly possible. And I also think that when they go on the road, they would take a little bit of a... Granted, you don't have full arenas anymore. But they'd still go in with a little bit of their chip on, a chip on their shoulder, just like, okay, we have to like do whatever it takes to get the win because there's less of a comfort, comfort factor when you're on the road. Whereas home, like, you know, the gym, you know, the floor, you know, the basket. Um, I think that on the road, they really just focus on, okay, get the win, like whatever it takes, let's do it. And so hopefully they'll be able to make sure that carries over into their last two games at home here.
1: Yeah. And I know we talked with, we, we've at, actually one of the better interactions that I had uh, in a press conference was asking Coach Verdi and, and some of the players about what they do on these road trips, because you're not really able to go out and see the sights in the same way that you normally would be able to. Um, you're definitely not able to, um, you know, spend too much time maybe seeing friends or family in the area especially for a lot of these players who have family in the sort of Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey area. Um you def- you're not able to have that same sort of level of uh interaction. So there's definitely a lot more bonding, you know, I see them making TikToks and sort of, you know, playing games and stuff like that and it's it's fun. And I mean, one of the I guess it's a, it's definitely one of the silver linings for this season is when you're only able to be around your team, you sort of have a sink or swim mentality in terms of like, either we get along really well, or we don't. And it seems like from from everything that we can see, there's a real sense of like teamwork and camaraderie for these, for these players, like they seem to get along so well, and uh, they have great interactions. So I'm sure that they, as much as they love playing together on the court, it's those off off court relationships that are really strong as well.
2: I just want to say that has nothing to do with anything. But if you ever, fo- if you, if any of you follow Danielle Sanderlin on Twitter, oh my god, oh she's so, she's so funny, funniest, she's she's, she's the funniest so stuff.
1: funny, she's so funny every single time. Um, I she like she's posting about like wanting to go to Disney after the pandemic, like asking about why ketchup packets are so small. You're welcome like, for
2: that, by the way. <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely i mean just just so funny so definitely a huge shout out definitely follow everyone on the team also follow sam Breen on instagram for pictures of her dog because turbo is is mad cute but that's like that's half
0: an hour i think we can probably leave it there if you yeah, want I suppose to once and, you get into danielle sandalyn's twitter account we don't have a whole lot to speak about yes. yeah
1: because i mean like there's only so i'm much actually scared
2: of lil uzi
1: <laughs> yeah uh like i think there's only so much we can talk about in a period where there are no games and everything seems so uncertain, but I've, we'll definitely be able to get back to it once uh, once games resume and we know more about their schedule coming I've up. I've got
3: a quick question. Does anyone know the health status of Destiny Philoxy? I know she left that last LaSalle, LaSalle game with an injury. I forgot about that. She didn't return, and I was wondering if anyone has any updates on, well, first of all, what the injury is, and two, obviously she's at two weeks of doing... Very little, and just staying in a room because of the 14-day pause. But I'm wondering, will she be ready to go when this pause ends, and if athletics resume, and at what strength she'll be?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but either way, I, I would hope that she is is able to get healthy, especially given all that that off time. So, but again, we haven't had we yeah we haven't had a media session yet. So team's been quiet, for
2: better or for worse.
0: Yeah, and as we know, uh, athletics keeps those uh, injuries, those cards, pretty close to their chest. Uh, so we might not know for a little bit. However, that is all the time we have, or at least all the content we have to talk about. Uh, but we'd like to thank everyone, Pioneer Valley, any internet streamers, for joining us on today's UMass Women's Basketball Show. Uh, we hope to come back with some more content with you soon. Thank you to my co-hosts uh, for joining me this morning. And take care, everybody. This is WMUA 91.1 FM.